The PCI Security Standards Council releases its new data security guidance this week. No significant changes to the PCI data security standard or the PCI payment application data security standard are expected. So what can the industry expect and how far will the guidance go? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Bob Russo, General Manager of the PCI Security Standards Council. Bob, you spoke with us back in August about the PCI Council's decision this year to pass down only guidance on the PCI DSS and the PCI PADSS. In September, we followed up on some of that discussion about guidance during our coverage of the PCI community meeting, which took place in Orlando. Since then, the Council has collected feedback from the payments community. Can you tell us what changes or revisions, if any, the guidance regarding some of those things that came up at the PCI community meeting? Tracy, the, the good news is that uh, the community at large, both in uh, the community meeting in the U.S. and the community meeting in Europe, gave us a really good reception of all of the clarifications that we made and the decisions we made going into 2.0, and as well you would expect they would, because they, in fact, were the ones that gave us the feedback on it, on what to change to begin with or what to clarify to begin with. So, so by and large, uh, you know, there were no surprises. Everyone was very, very uh, receptive to what we were talking about. You know, lots of interest uh, in education issues that we have, lots of interest in uh, uh, in emerging technologies, as we refer to them, really, really good acceptance of the fact that uh, you know we took their advice and moved to a three-year uh, uh, life cycle as well. Now, we've talked quite a bit about guidance and expected changes regarding emerging technologies that will come in the future. The new standards take effect January 1, but merchants and banking institutions will have some grace time for compliance. Is that correct? That's correct. The way it works is we actually publish the standards tomorrow. They don't become effective until January 1st of next year, and the old standard 1.2.1 does not sunset until December 31st of 2011. So, you know, merchants will have uh, at least a year uh, to get compliant with the uh, with the new 2.0. Now, of course, we're encouraging them to uh, to not wait a year, but to get into it as quickly as they as they possibly can. But if they're in the middle of uh, doing an assessment right now, they will have the opportunity to complete that assessment with 1.2.1. Now, Bob, could you talk a little bit about the guidance you expect for some of the emerging technologies, such as tokenization and end-to-end -end encryption, and how do the two fit together, if at all? When we first started looking at these different technologies, uh, we were looking at a way to make the standards stronger, if you will, by adding additional layers of security. Uh, and the initial ones that we looked at were EMV, which is, of course, CHIP, and point-to-point uh, -point encryption. What we did was we made a very good start. We went out to a number of industry experts. Uh, on each one of those things. We uh, discussed these with some very, very large uh, uh, user groups uh, within the council, got the feedback from them, uh, had a lot of these things vetted by other standards uh, agencies such as EMVCO, uh, looked at our EMV paper, and basically what we've done is we've made a start. So, uh, and that's really all it is, it's a start. Uh, we will be adding additional uh, information to these things and, you know, making some uh, some recommendations as we get into 2011, uh, not only on, you know, EMV, not only on point-to-point -point encryption, uh, but as you mentioned, also tokenization uh, will be a part of that. Now, one thing, you know, one thing to keep in mind 
is, uh, you know, certainly there are no standards for for any, well, EMV is a standard, but, you know, there are no standards for point-to-point encryption or for tokenization at this point. So, you know, we need to sit down and really take a hard look at these things and define specifically how they possibly help cut the cardholder data environment uh, by using some of these things and therefore cut the scope uh, of what needs to be done. Do they, in some cases, uh, satisfy any requirements within the standards? Again, that information is still being worked on. We have a good start. The documents that have been published uh, at this point are, as you mentioned, guidance documents. They are not additional requirements uh, to the standard. Now, it's been suggested, Bob, by some in the payments industry that tokenization, because it takes the card number and the consumer information out of the payments transaction, negates the need for PCI compliance and end-to-end encryption. How does the council view that perspective? Well, it's still too early to tell. You know, we, we don't think that any of these technologies is actually going to be a silver bullet, whether it's point-to-point encryption or tokenization or some combination of the two. Uh, there will still be things that need to be addressed by the standard. Suffice it to say, you know, there isn't a standard yet for uh, tokenization. So consequently, you've got a number of different vendors out there selling different uh, solutions. You know, one does, one takes the first six, one takes the middle eight, one takes, you know, the first six and the last four and tokenizes it. One gives you a new token every time. So really, there needs to be some standardization here. Uh, and there are other standards groups that are looking at doing this. Uh, X9, as, as an example, uh, is looking at doing this as well. So it's a little too early to, you know, to tell uh, how well these things are going to be uh, are going to be defined. And you know, we are working diligently with our special interest group to do just that. And I want to piggyback a little bit on a recent community meeting that took place in Barcelona. I've heard several discussions surrounding tokenization that came up during that PCI event in Barcelona. Moving beyond mere payments, now tokenization is being used in the call center, from what I understand. Can you explain some of this? Well, you know, certainly a, a call center has the ability to take a credit card number over the phone, and now everything is being stored digitally. If it's being stored digitally, it can be searched. Uh, and, and if it can be searched, it needs to somehow or other be encrypted or, or moved out. So, you know, I, I don't know that I would call the actual solution tokenization. I've seen a number of things out there that will mask uh, these things so that you can't get them digitally. But there are, you know, uh, there are discussions going on now, you know, specific to call centers and guidance that will be coming out uh, specific to call centers as well. Now, you mentioned EMV earlier, so I'm going to bring us back to the EMV conversation. The council is working closely with EMV code, the standards body responsible for compliance with the European MasterCard visa standard. Tell us what role the PCI council will play, if any, going forward where migration and payments associated with EMV are concerned. Um, actually, you know, you're, you're correct. We did consult with EMV code when we put our paper out. We, we gave them the opportunity to comment, which they obviously did. Uh, we're very, very happy, and we are working closely with them. Um, as for, you know, when an EMV environment might exist, you know, in in the United States or someplace where it isn't, you know, that's outside the purview of, of what the council does. As the landscape changes, so will so will the standard. But certainly not within our purview to, uh, you know, to to go ahead and say that you know EMV is something that's going to be used in one area or another. 
And during the PCI community meeting, the council announced the launch of an internal training program for quality assessments. Could you tell us a bit about that program and how it's been received by the industry thus far? First of all, the program is called the ISA program, ISA, Internal Security Assessor. And basically what we're doing is we are opening up our training to companies so that they can send their internal assessors for a number of reasons, and not to replace a QSA, but to get better prepared for an assessment, uh, to understand specifically what the QSAs are going to be looking for, uh, to implement a better security program internally. In some cases, and this is not something that the, uh, uh, that the council has uh, a- anything to do with in terms of compliance, uh, but in some cases, uh, some of the brands will allow Uh, uh, large merchants, level one, level two merchants, to do their own assessments uh, internally. And, you know, I would encourage uh, your listeners to to check with the brands individually to find out, you know, who in fact would allow that. But this ISA program certainly is is one way to get your people prepared to do that uh, as well. Great. And in closing, Bob, what final points would you like to highlight or reiterate to our audience? The, uh, the biggest thing that we've learned from our community meetings and all of the feedback, that, all the global feedback that we've seen so far this year, you know, is, is that the standards are, are maturing and they're maturing gracefully, uh, if you will, uh, as evidence. You know, there haven't been very many changes uh, to the standards this time around. Certainly, it's clear to us that uh, different technologies which add additional layers of security are going to be very, very important going forward. And that, of course, is a big focus for the council over the next uh, three-year cycle. Again, we've just heard from Bob Russo, General Manager of the PCI Security Standards Council. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.